Well, welcome back to another episode of the Miles Driven with me, Miles. And travel coordinator, Sam. Travel coordinator? Uh, I was genuinely caught on a hop there, and I assume this one might come out around the time when I'm on my honeymoon. I think this one will be, if I've planned it out right in my head, you would have be, be on the sort of first couple of days of your honeymoon. Well, there you go, travel so, coordinator. Yeah, Sam's doing I've that. either arrived in Mexico and I'm a brilliant travel coordinator, yeah. or not. Yeah. Either that, and yeah, I'll be here stuck. recording another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they cancelled your flight, or you've got halfway. Yeah, well, getting halfway on the journey to Mexico is pretty catastrophic because uh, that's the middle of the Atlantic. No, because they do the loop, don't they? So you would fly over the top of you yeah, fly over okay, like maybe. Iceland way. Yeah, um, either way, pretty catastrophic. Well, as long I don't as, long as, long as being an airport. grounded in you know the middle of the Arctic. Yeah, can you imagine Greenland in, in me shorts? Greenland, <laughs> Greenland in November. For your honeymoon. Shorts, flip-flops. Yes. <laughs> so today we're going to have a proper car podcast because Ooh. we had a few where we, um, where it was just me being annoyed about my holiday and stuff like that. We did, yeah. Um, Are you over that yet? Yeah, I'm over it. Cool. They, they... So for us, it's been two weeks since we last yeah, yeah. The, recorded. The long and the short of it was that, um, sorry if you didn't listen to that podcast. But well, if long... you haven't, then what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the long and short of it was we got a refund for the tickets, but now we've got to go through the long process. Ah, uh, of... the claims court. Yeah, which is really bizarre because you say to a company, look, if you just give us the difference, it's less than... Yeah, give but... me 500 quid or we'll go through and you'll get a thousand pound bill. But it is what it is. And, I, you know, I, I'm I'm over the point of uh, losing any more minutes of my life. Minutes? Minutes. So today we're going to do the BMW M2, which has just been released. Ooh. Um, and... Then we're going to talk about synthetic fuel Ooh. and do some math on Yay. energy. That's Sam's segment, by the way. He's doing all maths. Oh, yeah, he's, brilliant. Can't wait. The maths coordinator. <laughs> um, no, no, that wasn't announced in the title. <laughs> no, no, I haven't told you anything we're doing for this podcast. So, uh, First up, BMW have announced, and now by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be a couple of weeks, so you can easily go and find some pictures online of the new BMW M2. It's thoughts, immediate thoughts. Immediate thoughts. I Two like words. It. I like it. Uh, That's three words. Rear drive. Okay. Words, there you go. Which is the reason I like it. There you go. They, they, so they've stuck rear wheel drive. So I assume you drive it in the back. Yeah. From what you've just said. Sit on the boot, please. Because you didn't say rear wheel drive. No, I couldn't. You said rear you drive. Only, you only gave well, me two words. You're the content creator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's going to go rear wheel drive. It's going to get a slightly detuned version of the engine that's in the M4. So they're not doing. What would usually happen is, with most manufacturers, you'll have, for example, if we just pick the Audi range, you have the S and then the RS. Yeah. And the RS doesn't get, uh, the S, sorry, doesn't usually get the RS, but just detuned. It yeah. gets a different engine. So if we just work up, you have S3, which is a 2-litre, RS3 is a three uh, is a 2.5. Because surely you just take, if, you, if it was the way BMW are doing it, you just take the engine and tune it. And then you've got this an is, M4 engine in it. The problem Audi ran into a few years ago, they did a S4, mm-hmm. which had a three-liter um, supercharged engine. Yep. And they did an RS4, which had a V8 with 400 horsepower. But people just took the S4, remapped it, had 400 horsepower. Yeah. I if mean, it, obviously, but it if it's the exact same engine, which is what you're saying for yeah, the M4, which is what some... surely you can undo the detuning. You can if you want. So what BMW are basically saying is... Um, they're trying Please to find don't. The, <laughs> they're finding the right balance. They're saying that the reason the M2 is slightly less powerful is because adding power isn't always an answer. You've got to get the balance with the chassis and everything else. Do you agree with this? Until until it's actually <laughs> like until I've seen one on the road, yeah, and preferably been in one, then I'll, I'll I'll reserve judgment until that point. There is, in my eyes, a slight problem, and you know what? For BMW. It's not one of the problems they've had recently because the styling is actually pretty good. They have not gone. Sorry, Sam. Have you got your iPad? You can have a quick. I do, because I have an iPad now. Yeah, Sam's got his miles we, driven we, iPad. We would like to claim that the miles driven is going places, and that I've developed some sort of really cool iPad. But what we've done yeah. is found my old iPad. Yeah, too he's, mini. Not, he's not getting like a you know thousand <laughs> quid pro or anything like that. We found oh, this down the back of the sofa. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah, there you go, Sam. Yeah. Um, what am I looking for? 2022 uh, If you just type in BMW M2, it's, it, it will come up straight away. So it's not getting the big grill of all the other BMWs, which I think is good. It's sticking with proportions that make this. Essentially, when you look at this car, what you will see is 
a BMW M3 of 2000 to 2000 and yeah, okay. Uh, I still don't like the styling, but no, but this well compared to their other stuff. Yeah, but if you go back, context, if you go back, yeah, no, we, four years, yeah, then, yeah, no, but if we put it in the context of today, so well, I, I was going to talk about the iX. It's a lovely looking car. You loved it. I mean, you gave it ten out of ten. Yes, yeah. in its sound score for you didn't give it a sound score. That's no. how outraged you were. <laughs> um, but compared to the mo- and I'm not doing this compared to earlier BMWs because I think that's unfair because this is what they make today. Yeah. If you if you said to me you have any M car right now, the M5 CS I don't like it because it has this. Um, it has this. Oh, actually, I don't. Uh, if you are looking at one of these M2s, by the way, there's a. I can't remember what it's called, like a cut package, or there's some sort of package where you can have upgraded seats. Right. I wouldn't pick them. It has. If you get a picture off of the interior, Sam, it has this like notch in the bottom of the seat. Where to keep your legs separated, okay. <laughs> Which I find bizarre. Like it's going to be a manual, so that's another good thing. You can have it as a manual. Yeah, there'll be a, 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 a paddle shift for those who want it, but there will be a manual. But I don't want to have my legs put in a separate position with a nodule in the seat. Do you know? Well, if I ever braked really hard, I would worry about <laughs> travelling a little bit towards this. Or... I mean, it's a, it's a very very hard braking to make you slide all the way down yes. the seat with your crotch uh, it would be but in the event that that happened i just want to <laughs> i would want i would worry and wonder where your kneecaps had disappeared well, to other, i assume just inside the dashboard the other thing is and anyone who's a bit larger who's listening will know that you fill a seat you shouldn't talk about your crotch like that on the oh, podcast, no. <laughs> I, meant, I meant i meant in the trunk area right well like if you're sat some people have bigger backsides than others yeah so you know um, if you are, I mean, I have that problem. If I sit in one of these cars, I take up more. Obviously, I've got very long thighs as well, so the space I would fill in that seat would be more than what it's designed to. If I was, yeah, a foot shorter, and I think that's the the problem with this. If you are uh, average height or a bit shorter or just above average height, then it probably fits you quite nicely. But for everybody else, having that sort of nodule in between your legs, it doesn't make much sense to me. Oh, it doesn't. It, it doesn't it's offer solid any benefits. Well. It, really, it's not fabric. It? it doesn't offer any benefits. They, they're basically the BM, The reason BMW say they do it is it puts your it puts you in a racing position. Does it? I, my legs usually stay apart because they're on different pedals anyway. It, it, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Need... It's difficult to have your thighs together and, and comfortably operate the clutch <laughs> and the accelerator and the brake. Yeah. All I can see is that if you are particularly small or a female. You would have to cross your knee over the top of it if you were trying to left foot brake. Right. So I think okay. so. There's a disadvantage. If you're tall, it's just this. It doesn't really do anything for you. Also, you, when you get out of a car, sometimes you sort of slide across the seat to get out. Yeah, you can't do that. No. So if you were, for example, a female wearing like a nice dress that you'd gone out into, like yeah, I don't know, you go into a premiere. Of something you're quite famous you've got an m2 we're going to a very specific issue yeah here. Okay, i'm yeah. just thinking you know like you're driving yourself yep so you're already a bit weird yes <laughs> to your film premiere that you're starring <laughs> yeah. in yeah but oh, okay you go you go into a posh restaurant yeah okay. you're driving yep. yourself you pull up there's paparazzi outside because yes. they've heard you're coming yeah or just people that yep. you don't particularly want to show your areas to yeah you go to slide both your legs out of the car as i imagine yeah. you see women doing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. So what you actually no. end up with is you've got your left leg stuck on this nodule. Your right leg has continued to to swing out of the car. Yes. And now, well, yeah, now no you're more need saying. Excited paparazzi. <laughs> yeah, no. And so to me, it's just an unnecessary addition. They also... Or maybe the BMW stylist team are all perverts. Oh, there's a there's something we could ask them. Yeah, that that, that is not a view of the Mars Driven. No. No, no, that's a view of Sam. It is a joke <laughs> of Sam. <laughs> the, the other thing that I find odd about this seat is it has holes in the back of it. As in, like, there's, slot, there's sort of slots. So and it's I, got an inbuilt toilet. <laughs> but in the, back, in the back of the seat. Not in the bottom oh, of the right, seat, okay. in the back. Uh, I think, Sweat holes? Yeah, I think they're doing it for some ventilation. But the oh, good. for me is, is that it, if you, like, something, as I say, I don't know, falls off a back seat that you've got loose. Mm-hmm. It could actually sort of just knock you in the back. And if you were driving, you're not expecting anything because you've got a backrest usually. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I just I don't like. Well, yeah. That in at fairness, if, when you're driving home, as you regularly do in your car that you don't own, yeah, with your knife block in the yeah, back, but, but then, in the back what? seat. If I had one. I'd be and terrified. You break. It falls forwards. Yeah. Ever so slightly, all of the knives fall out of it because it's poorly designed because you've yeah. bought it, so it's second hand and it's knackered. Yeah. But the knives are all really sharp, which is why you've bought it. Yes, you know, exactly, you probably got yeah. it off eBay for a fiver. All these knives then hit the right point of the seat and flip over and go into this slot. See, I would. You've think... got two knives. Your your own car has stabbed you in the back. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would think to myself, why didn't I get the carbon backs? Yes, <laughs> that exactly. That's all you'd be thinking while you slid sideways, and you couldn't slide out of the car to escape once you'd crashed into the hillside <laughs> because you're stuck on this nodule. So aside from the seat, the only. The main part of the car, because it's yeah. where you spend all your time. Yes, exactly. So, but you can spec the other seat, so that's fine. Right. Just I, if someone listening, they might be the right size and fit, and they find them comfortable. That's fine. But I think I would definitely, if you are sort of serious about looking at one of these, I would want to go to the showroom and say, "Can you show me this seat and this seat, like the the ones that are going to be optional?" Because you might find it comfortable, but if you don't you've made quite an expensive purchase and you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, I suppose, replace the seats, but who's doing that on a brand new car? Now, the other issue, how much do you think it is, Sam? Uh, no, no, it's not ridiculous. I know you're preparing for a ridiculous price. It's not ridiculous. Yeah, but, but whatever it is, it is, is going to be ridiculous to It's me. an M2. So if you put in your mind what's an M3 or an M4... No idea. So £45,000. you know what? £45,000 is in my head where that car goes maybe 50 yeah because i'm i'm saying that i'm assuming that an m4 is now like oh, 85 90 grand yeah because you can only buy them in competition in the uk but for international listeners european us i think australia as well you can have it as non-competition i don't know why bmw did that again frustrating for us because they sort of say well you all want the competition pack it's like what about all the people that don't well, oh, they don't well, exist. Well, there was loads of people that bought the old one in competition. Yeah, that might have been the case. But <laughs> it, just because people like a particular option doesn't mean everyone wants it. And because it's an option, what like more choice is never a bad thing. No. Unless it's... Many historical things teach us this. Yes. I'm trying to think <laughs> of a single scenario in my life where I've thought, oh, there's too much choice. Uh, I can penny, think of, for you, sweets. for you... Anytime we go to a restaurant, oh, and I look at a menu, when you're sitting there looking at the menu, you go, "Oh, well, I might have this. Oh, but then this has got this. But then this is, yeah." For you, you need a choice. Yeah. So the issue I have with it, and I know some listeners will think, "Well, 45 might be a bit low compared to competition," but you have to remember, being BMW, it won't be the list price that you buy it at. There'll be optional extras, and having a sort of overview, I would say you're going to spend around five thousand pounds additional. <laughs> on extras so if you have that in your head yeah it would be a forty-five thousand pound car but realistically almost everyone buying them it would be a fifty thousand pound car but it's not sixty-one thousand pounds is where it starts that's insane so it's only 15 or so thousand less than m4 so buy an m4 then the thing for the m4 is it's got so big i don't actually know where it fits anymore uh, i don't, I don't next mean the rs6 estate yeah but this is a, <laughs> do you know genuine genuinely this is a story of i spoke to a friend of ours who won't be able to replace his car for a few years but these are the sort of cars that he could possibly mm -hmm. you know are, are realistic choices for him and i went well there's your uh, car for when your lease comes up mate and he said he said the only problem is for the money that that is he could go into i can't remember i think it was rs4 Audi. So that's a saloon estate. Well, sorry, yeah. not saloon. It's an estate vehicle. Well, he'd four get doors. The estate, so well, yeah, where, but, where possible. Where possible. Well, you've just got a lot more car. Yeah, and... especially if you've got a young child and a dog, which he does. Yeah, but I said to him, well, at that point, his child will be a bit older, so he could then go back into a, a two door. Because what stops him at the minute is car seat and things like that. Yeah, trying to get. But his son would be a bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, but. I mean, the dog's a small dog. can go in the footwell. <laughs> but the problem was... Is Having he, met the dog, I don't think so. The, the, if it was £20,000 difference between, say, like an RS4 and something like that, mm -hmm. or even 15000 you know, somewhere where you could say it's probably more fun. Yeah. Well, definitely more fun. Uh, we haven't seen it in real life yet, so I want to reserve some judgment. But it's probably going to be more fun unless BMW really have messed up. Yeah. 
in than, than something like an RS4. Um, but it won't be anywhere near as practical. But for £15,000 gap, you start to go, mm, well, there's fun and it's a lot less money. You know, The problem is, like he said, is that once you've spec'd it up, you're at the price of an RS4. Yeah. So it's so why wouldn't you get that? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And of co- and the other thing is that the M3 touring, the actual estate version of the M3, will be out by then, and that's not going to be. I mean, it will be a jump in price, but for all the practicality additional, if you're already spending sixty, I mean, let's say five to seven thousand pounds of extras, so nearly seventy thousand pounds on an M2. Mm. If an M3 is seventy-five to eighty. Who you know, yeah. people who want a sports car will, will go sports car. But if you are in a position and you're looking at this sort of money, I think a lot of these people are perhaps of an age where they have families, and it's sort of maybe they have a partner that has a four by four, and then they have a sports car. But if you said to them, "Well, you can not only have the sports car element, because no one looks at an M3 and says, oh, I just want something a bit more racy." No, that's fair. Not, not unless you're used bit, to open wheel. It's too slow for me. Yes, I, I just need. It doesn't to... look good enough. And unless you are looking for a Lotus Elise esque vehicle, yeah. In which case, fair enough. But I think a lot of people are sort of of that age where possibly they're looking and thinking, mm, "This is a lot of money." Mm-hmm. Um, I can have my cake and eat it with an M3 uh, Estate or yep. an RS4. Can't really do that with an M2. No, I know they're different cars. And different markets, but they're starting to fill up the same sort of price. But from the point of view of style, I have to say I'm glad BMW did what they did because they've just gone with slightly larger, but not um, obscene. I would say yeah. <laughs> kidney grills. They're just normal size kidney grills. The styling is a bit angular, but and it it's it does step away still from BMW's general styling of yeah. the last well since the company existed, mm-hmm. but. I'll give them a huge break because compared to everything else they're doing, with the single exception of the five series, because that's, I think, pretty much their oldest. Well, the M5 looks very good in yellow, on a brand well, new. You plate. saw one, didn't you? Yeah, and it was actually <laughs> on a, a seventy-two yellow. plate. Yeah, 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 that was um, that was really good gun. I, I, I could say imagine... we put a picture up on the miles driven, but I didn't find the owner to ask his permission oh. for a photo. <laughs> um, oh, you should be alright with it, actually. We'll have a look at it afterwards. Yeah, we can, if it's not we clearly identified, blur the plates. Yeah, yeah, we can do yeah. something. Since they didn't give us, we we got to be a bit careful because if someone, ha- if you've asked someone that I've got an, inst- you know, I can I put it on my Instagram? Can I put it? Down? Yeah, it's fine. But some people are just, it's fair enough. It's their car. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if you're buying a yellow M5, and I mean it was painted yellow, we double checked on yep. the DVLA register, and it's a yellow registered car. So, uh, possibly you're not too bothered. Maybe, yeah, I think that's fair. Worried about your privacy, maybe you'd go with a different one. But anyway, um, yeah, of the current BMW range, they could have said, no, the M's got to stick with this big grills, because we've done it for everything else. Yeah. So we're going to put it on the M2. And they didn't, so a bit of a bravo for that. Well done. So we'll wait to see one in real life, but um, for now, we won't give it a sound score, because it's it's still, it's only just been announced. It would probably be low. On the styling front, what, currently, what have you got? You got. I think it would do well in two of the categories. Well, you think, but you don't give out the Sam score. I don't. So, so you know, well, in specification, you couldn't score it badly for that. Mm, yeah, but I put the styling. But in you there. have to balance it against the the money as well. Yeah. So yeah, one or two acceleration. <laughs> it, the the power of it's going to be fine. I mean, this is lighter. This is the thing. It's lighter than an M4. Yeah. So even though you lose a bit of power. And I have to say, I can imagine that uh, engine tuners have heard the words detuned M4 engine. And this is gone, what I mean. They're just going to do, well, well, they'll offer a basic package where they just remove that. I know, but they'll, at least it won't happen for the first few years because most people want to keep their warranty. Or BMW will do a competition spec where you get the M4 yeah. power and that's how they'll make an extra X yeah, yeah, that's from a fair it. Point. So, that's all is for the M2. If we I get... genuinely thought you were about to say that's the podcast. No, no, say, no. Mate, it's been like a half hour. <laughs> no, no. Uh, if there's, as we get any more information about it... We um, may consider telling you for a small fee. Yes. I, th- I think if you want specs, you can check them out online because 
to be honest, me saying it does not 60 in four seconds, all these things, people are going to go, oh, yeah, that's cool. But without actually, sort of, it, it will drive in a different way because an RS3 will do these things. Yeah. So what what what's the M2 buyer want over the RS3? I think there's yeah. there's things that are not, you can't put them on a sheet of paper and just reel them off on a podcast. I think you need to either watch a video or read something about it. Watch a video on the Mars Driven YouTube. Too right, yeah. Uh, next up, saw something quite interesting earlier, actually. It was someone who was doing the maths of electric vehicles versus uh, fueling them. Ooh. And so what I want to do, just first off, I'm going to just do some very quick maths on an electric car. Two plus two is four. There we go. Well, that's that. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, just versus a petrol car, for example, versus a um, or petrol or a diesel car versus an electric car. Okay. But just, well, I'm going to forget everything about production for a minute because I don't want to make the, the sums complex, but then I want to talk about e-fuel after that. Yes. So uh, what this person was saying is if you get your energy, and sorry for international listeners, but you can apply it to, to what you know your energy mix is because I've got three energy mixes around the UK. So if you are in, uh, I think it's sort of the mid part of Scotland, almost all of your energy is is coming from renewable sources because you they're pulling it from wind farms yeah um, from and you know areas of the highlands they can get in quite a lot of renewable energy so per kilowatt hour the average is 50 grams of carbon don't worry everyone if you think the numbers are going to get complex i'm going to keep them very very simple so don't worry so per kilowatt hour about 50 grams okay mm -hmm. if you are around london sort of area it goes up to about 150 to 180. So basically, we should all move to Scotland. Yeah. Cool. Well, the Scots, uh, they've, they've been, uh, for a long period of time, been saying, no, we like our land. That's why they'll sort of say, no, you can go away. Yeah. I okay. have to say, I had a great time when I went to Scotland. And my partner's just driven up there and back. And she said to me, the roads, once you get past, like, the first three quarters of England. Yeah. They suddenly become just magnificent, like, as in yeah, the yeah. scenery you're surrounded by. And I said, "Yeah, that's because, for for the most part of you know the population centres of England, they sort of go, well, let's not put the road in the sort of really beautiful parts of the country because we'll keep them scenic. Mm -hmm. But obviously, some places don't have a choice, like in the West Country, for example, or when they're putting a road through the Peak District. Yeah. Once you get up to Scotland, they look around and go, well, it's all quite, you know." scenic and beautiful really so what are we supposed to do and so they just put a road anywhere and you get great scenery in a tidbit of news yeah for the listeners oh yeah miles has finally succumbed at the beginning of october to turning on his boiler uh no i haven't why is it on then uh it has to come on for a minute ah for it to get for it to uh operate in the morning Okay, it has to come on for a minute. So, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, this is really annoying. Actually, I forgot about the boiler. It's your poor wife. I mean, it's fine. I'm not sure people aren't going to be bothered. But no, I you thought... won't hear it because we've updated the audio so oh, much in the early podcast. Completely mute subject. If then. if anyone's wondering what we're talking about, the studio is next to the boiler room. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of class we have here at the Miles Driven. Yeah, down the depths by the boiler room. Yes. But the problem is, once the boiler goes on, you used to be able to hear it in the background because with the we had the setup right next to the wall, <laughs> yeah. and we didn't have our audio equipment was still fairly basic at the time. Yeah, and then anyway. we upgraded it all, and so you probably can't hear anything in the background, and you're wondering what we're talking about. But I might see if I can leave a, a subtle sort of yeah. hum so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, but... just just record this bit. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then put it on. So, anyway, 50 kilowatt hours in Scotland. Oh, yeah, sorry, I went well. £1.50 in... No, 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 not, not money. We're just talking oh, about CO2. We're just talking about CO2. Kilowatt, I mean, yeah. Right, CO2. You do the maths. <laughs> so, grams of CO2. Oh, okay. 50. We'll just I say was totally Scotland. listening. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> 50 for Scotland. About 150, let's say. It's yeah. a bit more than that, but about 150 for London. And about 360 to 380 for around the sort of east midlands area of the country sort of well near. i'm leaving where actually i think uh, the energy we draw in sound yeah probably be a, around this bit because we're Cause, sort of yeah we've got nothing near yeah I, well the problem is is you've got because yeah I, I suppose we just don't have yeah and historically the power that was set up around this area 
would have been um, coal or whatever. Yeah, I and so that's transitioning fair. in it is the and we're in the sort of middle of the country and yeah. not far from places like London and other mm-hmm. cities that obviously get stealing our energy. Yeah, they <laughs> get the clean stuff so they can claim it. But anyway, so you got fifty up the top, hundred and fifty down the bottom. I'm just gonna make it easy. Yeah. Then in the middle, about three fifty. Okay. So that's grams per kilowatt hour. Yeah. Now Sam and I have driven uh when we've driven on electricity, yeah, we've been able to get about two to two and a half miles per kilowatt hour. Okay. Yeah. That means that you can, if we just, well, I won't give to a, to a two and a half because the mass gets difficult. Yeah. If you do two miles per kilowatt hour, it means you've got 25 grams per mile. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Easy enough. If you do 150 and you do two, then it's 75 grams per mile. And if you do 350, or let's say 360 because it's easy mass, it's 180 grams per mile. So that's yeah. ignoring all of the production. Of, of these cars, you've got two cars next to each other, a BMW X3 and a BMW iX3, because those are yeah. two cars where they make one in electric and they make one in a mm-hmm. petrol or a diesel. That electric one, for every mile, or for every two miles, it's going to use one kilowatt, which will either be, if you're in the north of Scotland, that's 50 grams, in the south, 150, and if you're in the middle, 350. Yeah. Okay. So you can split it in two because you get about two miles. I hope the math is simple on that one. Now, for cars, we get the whenever if anyone's ever looked at their tax in the UK, uh, your tax that you pay per year is judged on how many grams per kilometer because of it's a European measurement. But it's CO two grams per kilometer that the car creates. Yeah, and as some people may know, especially if they're uh, they've got a car for business, if you're a plug-in hybrid. The figure is around 30 to 50, possibly lower. That's the average. That's what you get taxed on. Okay. 30 to 50 grams per kilometer. You can stretch it out a little bit. Let's say sort of 60, 70, so you can do it per mile. But the point being is, if you're in Scotland, to do that one mile, about 25 grams. So saying two, two miles, 50 grams for 25 in your electric. Yeah. In something like a plug-in hybrid, if it's registered as 30 grams per kilometre and we do the same two miles, we're talking about, make sure I do the maths right, about 50 grams per mile. Yeah. In which case you can say, well, it's cleaner to be in the electric car because your electric's cleaner in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But then you take that sum for a plug-in to London and you're about 75 grams for the electric and about 60 for the plug-in hybrid. Yeah. And then if you come to our sort of area of the country, it's about 180 for yeah. the electric car, but plug-in hybrid is about the same, 60. Mm-hmm. So actually, it shows you the mix. Now, if we compare it off to a petrol car, uh, you can get them, let's say, it's difficult because obviously some cars are very efficient, some cars are not. Yeah. So we're comparing it to a Ferrari is very different to comparing yeah. it to a, a Polo <laughs> or something. But if we use the figure of 99 grams, because that's what most manufacturers are sort of aiming to do, I think they have to have a fleet average of 99 grams by, I think that's already the target, actually. So they have to have across their fleet of new cars, 99 gram average. There are some exceptions, like if you're a very low sports car manufacturer like Ferrari. Yeah. But for the general, if we're talking about Volkswagen, Vauxhall, Ford, mm-hmm. big manufacturers, Toyota, yeah. So if we take that 99 gram per kilometer figure, put it up to a mile, about 130 okay. per mile. So to do two miles, 260 grams versus in Scotland, 50. Yeah. Okay. So cleaner in Scotland. Uh, yeah. Cleaner in Scotland. We bring it back down to London. What did I just say for the... 160. 160 for the petrol. Yeah. So almost bang on the same Yeah. if you're in London. Back to our area of the country. Much, much better. Yeah. So what you're saying is I'm doing better than the people in the <laughs> Teslas and the Polestars that are driving around. Yeah. Yeah. But well, then... I always knew I was righteous and virtuous. 
then if you if you looked at a diesel car for example they're actually getting some of them below 100 okay yeah and then if you if we give it the other way now if you get into something like a I'm trying to think of a large four a audi q7 large mm-hmm. four-wheel drive vehicle with a petrol engine yeah now then so an s in, oh no sq7 will still be diesel wouldn't it uh no the sq7 is now petrol it was okay. diesel sq7 yeah sq7 is a good example I, I can't remember the figure exactly off the top of my head, but I did do the maths earlier. And in every scenario, the electric car per mile yeah. has less CO2 generated. Because even in the sort of dirtiest yeah. energy genera- uh, generate, that's the word I'm generating yeah, parts of the country, it's still got less CO2 right. per mile that it's driving. Mm-hmm. Okay, The issue there is that... What you're basically saying to people is the cars that people are buying, because we know SUVs outsell pretty much every other segment, even yeah. in even in Europe, like SUVs. I mean, we we buy much smaller SUVs than other bigger countries. You know, look at what they have in America and Canada and Australia and yeah. China and places <laughs> like that. They, there's um there's a sort of propensity towards much larger vehicles. Ooh, that's a posh word. Propensity. There you go. Someone's <laughs> been using their word of the day toilet yeah, paper go, today. Yeah. Um, but even so, we're moving towards vehicles that... And I gave you an example, by the way, of two miles. Yeah. The reason I've used that, and I know some people will say, well, if you look at the really eco version of um, uh, the Tesla, the BMW... And there's another manufacturer, sorry to them, I've forgotten who they are, but th- they claim up to, say, four or five um, kilometers per kilowatt. Okay. The trouble is that there's claimed and there's what we're finding people are actually averaging. Yeah. And it's a lot like years ago, you'd have something like 60 or 80 miles per gallon claimed on a, on a new car. Do you remember when we had that podcast where I said to you, what's the fuel efficiency of this and how much has it changed? And you were like, oh, the figures are actually less for the new car. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's because they changed the test mm-hmm. after the Volkswagen emissions scandal. They yeah. had to do real-world emissions testing. So when it says this car does 55 miles to the gallon, it actually should, in the real world, be able to achieve 55 miles to the gallon, not yeah. in a not perfect Not in a perfect scenario. test conditions yeah. with no wind and... Yeah. So yeah. the problem is, is that when you're comparing it off, there are there certainly will be some electric cars that no matter what example I gave you, will be cleaner. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, is that you're when you when you compare those really clean, um, really sort of low, um, oh, sorry, really efficient electric cars, you have to then you can't just say, well, if we compare that to a twenty year old diesel. Toyota Avensis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Oh, then it's much cleaner. It's like, well, hold on, do the same maths. Brand new small petrol engine car. Yeah. Versus brand new, you know. But it doesn't get you the same results, Miles. You know, these people want to compare their Polestar to a John Deere tractor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's 15 years old. So the, the next step that I wanted to take this to was when I looked at that, because someone had done the maths, and I, and I really do appreciate the fact they'd gone to the effort to. Try and understand. We we haven't taken into production like the production CO two because that throws the figures way off. Volvo themselves have said you know it takes thirty thousand or thirty five thousand miles in really clean energy just to get it to zero um, for the production. Then you've got recycling the batteries. It can be as high as seventy thousand miles. Yeah. For some, um, depending on where you build the car and depending on what your energy mix is. So. I don't, I don't want to talk about production because it just muddies the waters of the figures. I think it's just easier to say 50, 150, 360, half it, that's two miles for, the, you know, for yeah, half of whatever I those think are, that's fair. versus off the MPG and we can then do the CO2 from them. But I saw an interesting, it was a guy who, he was talking about um, creating e-fuels. And he's part of a study, and he was sort of showing his work on this study of how much energy it would take, and how much uh, processing it would take to make to bring in more e-fuels. Whether you're blending them, which I think actually blending is a really if we said cars need to have need to have some form of hybrid, 
to make, you know, even if it was just mild hybrid, because yeah. it makes the car more efficient. And then we used blended fuels. I reckon they could probably get that in in a couple of years. Yeah, quite and, possibly. Yeah. And you haven't got to replace your car, yes. which means it works for someone who has £10 million in the bank and is going to buy a new Range Rover and someone who has 10 pence in the bank and yeah. has an old diesel Golf. Yeah. Like everyone is cleaner, not mm-hmm. just the people that are able to buy the latest and greatest. But that doesn't push their agenda though, does it? Well, this is the funny thing, Sam, isn't it? Is that when you hear things like that, and this is what got me interested in the e-fuels conversation this guy had, because he said, if you're creating e-fuel from fossil fuels, i.e. if you've got a factory that's just burning coal to create your e-fuel, yeah, then of course it's not clean. And by the time you've done everything, it may be a bit cleaner than petrol or diesel. But, you know, yeah, it's the, the savings is not yeah. great. Whereas when you start using, he gave the example of, I think it was he would need, the study I think had worked out from the energy given to the Sahara from the sun each day, Right, you'd need 1% of the whole of the Sahara filled with um, solar panels. I, this has been an argument I've said for years. Yeah. You just need to take, <laughs> and it, to, I, I heard once that to power the planet, you would need a fully, fully functioning and full capacity solar farm the size yeah. of Wales, I think it was. There's something like this. You'd yeah. obviously have to be able to transport it to all the areas, but you could obviously... And there's transmission losses you have to take into account. Yeah. And that sort so, of stuff. But if you've got an area the size of the Sahara that yeah. you could use, not really used for much, if we're honest. No. Bit, well, a bit of dune bugging. Yeah. But only on the real fringes of it. No one's going into the middle of the Sahara. Yeah. To I mean, I'd go to Death Valley. Yeah. No but one's going is... there. <laughs> Nothing's living there. Do you know what the funny thing is? If you looked at Death Valley, where you've got one road leading, basically, you know, through Nevada... Yeah. If you filled up pretty much, you know, all that blanket space along the highways with with solar panels, yeah. you could actually just lead the um the transmissions for all the wiring down the side of the highway. Yeah. And that way if you ever had a problem, for example, a storm came in and something got knocked over and it knocked the you could it's the easiest fix in the world. You send a guy in his yeah. car yeah. down the road that it runs next yeah. to and he goes, Oh, there's the problem and you know. Also, I know we don't want to ruin this habitat, but if we could find a way of doing it where we wouldn't ruin the habitat, there is an area of the world where for four months of the year they have 24-hour sunlight. Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. So maybe we could look into doing something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, so the point of all this was is that when you look at it, if you need 1%, it's not actually yeah, exactly, that much. Yeah. Like If you put 1% somewhere, not a lot of people would notice it. The no. problem that I see is that it's the classic issue of geography and countries. Yes. And when you say, we're going to put, you know, 50 billion pounds of investment from countries all over the world into this one nation here yeah. that happens to have a desert in it, everyone goes, well, I want to send my money there. Because what about if they get invaded by someone? Or what about if they have some dictator running? And yeah. That's it. Well, it you would just... almost involve us all having to work as a human race. <laughs> <laughs> forgetting that you know you've got a different flag to me or yeah. you have a different idea of god to me yeah or and if you really are paranoid about it you get some treaty drawn up where you say 50 nations will protect this one particular bit of desert yeah and from the one rogue yeah nation. And, you know we could fly fighter jets over it all day long making yeah. sure that no one can hit it because in any because way. we'd have so much green energy that we could just have planes flying <laughs> running off constantly yeah. <laughs> but it was just a very interesting point. I know there's some obvious hurdles with doing that, and I'm not yeah. suggesting that the answer is suddenly that you know one percent of the Sahara is just suddenly going to pop up with solar panels. I know they do produce that creates carbon and everything else, but if you the are short term pain, long term gain, though, this is the thing. If you're looking at, at carbon emissions and then you're looking at how clean things are for the planet, you've got two big issues, as I see it, with batteries today. That everyone like, everyone likes to sort of turn around and say, "Well, they'll be solved tomorrow because we'll get different types of batteries," and yeah. that's fine. And there's Sam and I have always said on the podcast, "There's some great electric cars out there, and there's some really good hybrids out there as well, and there's some really good plug-in hybrids out there." Yeah. So it's not anything against them. It's just if you're doing this from a point of view of, "Oh, well, I've got this X vehicle, whatever it is." a V6 uh, saloon of some sort. Yeah. You know, and it's not that great on fuel and it's a bit broken, so I'm going to go and get a new car. 
And if someone says, well, you can get yourself into a new Toyota with a hybrid system, or for an extra £10,000, you can go fully electric. If mm-hmm. you sort of say, well, the electric might actually make me less, you know, I won't be charged as much in tax and everything else. I'll be cleaner overall. Yeah. I'm just sort of challenging that a little bit, that if everyone did what you're planning to do, we would have bigger issues than... Yeah. Because the other thing is the government have said they're going to put in 300,000 charge points in the UK alone by 2030. That's six times the number of petrol pumps that are currently in the UK. Yeah, I think the government have got other things to worry about. Yeah, probably, yeah. Than putting in charge points. Well, the, and I know we don't do politics, but that's also going to kick these targets down the road a little bit. That's the other issue with this, is that that's why I say something like a blended e-fuel, it's not to say, oh, we shouldn't have electric cars, blah, blah, Because I'm saying if you actually put in a hybrid with a blended e-fuel hmm. and people were able to start using those tomorrow, people who want to buy a brand new car could start using those tomorrow. Yeah. People that have got an old car can start using those tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Then that really does sort of, cut down the emissions to the point where you start to say okay we have a bigger fridge to fry yeah it's 11 percent of all carbon emissions are from transport or uh, private and then you give yourself longer to get to the everyone electric or you might find out that that isn't the way to go and maybe it is hydrogen fuels or something like that this was uh, another just very interesting point i was watching an african mechanic right i can't remember which african nations i really want to remember but it will come to me, I'm sure, as I'm talking right. about this. And he was talking about diesels in his country because he's, a, you know, he he had quite a big for where they were. Yeah, mechanics. I think he had about six bays. He'd worked this business up from the ground, and he was talking about diesels. And he said the problem is for him, they're on the east coast of Africa. I keep wanting to say Tunisia, but it was not Tunisia. It was. Um, uh, Kenya, I think it was. Okay. Sorry, everyone. I just clicked my fingers as I. Yep. If I, <laughs> I think it was Kenya, and he was saying that the problem he has now is that for they get everything ten years behind Europe and America. Yeah. When he when he said that, he means that generally speaking, they get your old car. Yeah. So if Which you look fair. at uh, if you've got a new Mercedes right now, if you look at that car's entire, you know, if you were to put an air tag that never ran out of battery in the glove box. Yeah. And you just watched where that Kent ran. Now, it may just stay in the UK and be driven around, but there's actually a good likelihood it will be at 10 years or 15 years old, it will be exported to another country that uses, particularly countries that are right-hand drive. Mm -hmm. And what he was saying is that because of that, they have the, the things happened to 10 years back. So they were, they did get their first lot of diesels about 10 years ago. Yeah. Then they're now getting their newest uh, Euro Emission 6 diesels. Right. Okay. Okay. But the problem for them is that their diesel doesn't have, sorry, or it does have the sulfur content that's needed. Okay. So the newer diesel engines are made to run off lower sulfur. Yeah. Because of the oil they get delivered to the country, they don't, you know, he doesn't have any say in this. It's just what they get. And it's it it was okay with the old diesel engines, but it's a problem with newer diesel engines. They weren't designed and built to run off um, higher sulfur fuel. Yeah. And so it, there's this issue <laughs> you hear, and he's like, and the next problem will be is he's he's got Priuses there. Yeah. You know? He said they they seem to work fine, and he's worked out how to swap a battery pack when they eventually go. Yeah. Um. But he brought up this really good point because he said when a battery pack goes in a Prius, he calls up a guy. Yes. And this guy comes and takes this old battery pack from him, but he has no idea where it goes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. he just puts a used one in, but one that's done less mileage. And he says, you know, you buy them generally from Europe. There'll be a breakers who's yeah. got a crashed Prius. And one of the first things they try and get out is the battery pack. Is the battery pack. Mm-hmm. So as long as they can safely. There are certain sort of specialists that deal with getting battery packs out yeah um which look makes us in the uk and in europe look really good because what they can write on is this vehicle was recycled yes when actually what it should say is 
this vehicle was exported to another nation yeah. who will throw this part away. Because, I mean, and it, this isn't to knock them. Like, they have limited resources. This guy, you know, he, he's got his mechanics yard and he's got a guy he calls. Yeah, but well, what, what else do you expect him to do? <laughs> yeah, he's, he can't do a full... I don't, I don't even know what the recycling process is for a completely dead EV battery. No. But they, he doesn't have the resources to do it. You know, and this guy, he is positive doesn't have the resources <laughs> to do it. And so what's so the, the concern is that that's a Prius battery from a 15, 20-year-old Prius. So that's quite a small battery pack. Yes. When the next generation of battery packs that are much, much larger come across, you do wonder where they're going to eventually end up. Yeah. Because it, I know we, you know, we'll say, oh, well, in the UK, they would go to a battery recycling plant. And I remember when I was uh, when I had an old corporate job, we had this big partnership announced where we were recycling Tesla batteries because Tesla batteries are very good from a point of view of how long they last. However, Tesla have done it. Yeah, you know, kudos to them. Apart from, there's a few issues that they can have separate, but it's they're a bit more isolated. But from a point of view of say a car's done two hundred thousand miles as a taxi in London, and it you know for whatever reason it stops being able to function as a car yeah beyond the point of its cost or whatever it might be they then recycle these tesla batteries to be used in uh properties so it was for this it was for uh like a bank the hotel to hold energy okay so that they could put in a load of energy at night put it into these batteries and then use it and use it i think between the hours of something like six uh six a.m and one p.m which is when a hotel has a lot of energy going because you've got all, all the guests checking out yeah all the cleaners going around yeah in they go mm-hmm. and well sam actually works in hotels so he'll know yep. <laughs> but there's this this huge sort of surge in the morning yeah. activity throughout the day it's, a, it's sort of quite steady yeah depending depending yeah people have checked out yeah of course yeah. you've got to wait for the next lot of people to check in obviously some hotels yeah, we're leisure talking hotels, very general yeah very general if you're talking about uh Premier in a, a travel lodger, Marriott, something mm-hmm. like that that's on a main road. You're going to get people checking in, people checking out. Yeah, and there'll exactly. be that gap in the middle. And then in the evening, again, there'll be another spike. But if they can just remove the first morning spike, they actually help out not only the grid. Yeah. Because the grid can then sort of say, okay, good. You know, we've got suddenly everyone's turned their kettles on and, you know, got ready for work, got ready for school. Schools are powering up, businesses are powering up. Yeah. If we've got one less thing to worry about, and save us all from the rolling blackouts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are work like that. But again, we laugh. There'll be listeners that are listening that remember rolling blackouts. Rolling blackouts. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 biggest issue was that we were marketing it as this is a recycled clean energy source. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This it's not. The problem was we didn't. I didn't hear about any plan for when those batteries are done. Yeah, I don't. I, again, maybe they did go off somewhere where someone's able to do something with them. But it worries me a little bit that an answer we've currently got is we know we're digging it up mm-hmm. because that's how you have to with lithium and cobalt. Yes, solid state might be around the corner. I hear it a lot. I really hope mm-hmm. that's correct. Yeah. For me, I would just use it in hybrids. Yeah, definitely. I just think that's the, you know, if you were looking at a 50 year answer right now. Yeah. That you could cut carbon emissions and other emissions from from private vehicles to a point where we sort of say, you know, okay, we want to get to this zero. But ultimately, it's a lot like anything. If you eat McDonald's for breakfast, lunch and dinner seven days a week, that's not good for you. No. Having it once a month, twice a month, you know, whenever if you go out with some mates to a sports event. They, okay, better if you could have a salad. But it's not doing you that much of a detriment no. to have it every now and again. And I kind of see that, the, the energy mix. If we could have much less of the problem and have it quickly, yeah, that's a better answer than you know, um, just trying to get to a zero but doing all the damage in the meantime. Yeah. Um, unless you just bring in e-fuels tomorrow. Yeah. And, and then, then that's you... the easiest. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if they had e-fuels tomorrow? They could put them in all the petrol pumps. Yeah. And then they would have, as long as they wanted, 
to come up with the the, the battery yeah, pack is, that is yeah. like a tiny little thing the size of your fist yeah and could do 500 miles yeah but instead they've got to spend all this money and time and resources sort of going through the generational oh we've got the early batteries which you know that's this level then we've got this level then we've got the yeah, future just level just use the e-fuels and just save all of the problems that we're going to cause by doing what we're doing now yeah and then if you once you work it out then you go okay cool we've worked it out but um yeah that was my two cents on the fuels i just i hope it, it helps people understand especially if you're trying to make the decision have a look at what you, what your energy mix is yeah some people listening will have uh solar at their house mm-hmm. but don't forget that solar can only pull in so much yeah the car can only take so much back out of you know i think it's for the uk it's seven kilowatt hours uh, sorry seven kilowatts per hour mm-hmm. that you're going to pump out so once you've taken your energy use out and you can only pull in solar for the well when the solar is actually yes when the sun's yeah, yeah. out yeah. if you're in southern california and it's sunny all the time it's it's less of an issue uh, or sydney australia you know mm-hmm. well actually when i lived in sydney what did we get probably two 250 good days i'd say and then you've got the rainy season and the cloudy days and all that sort of stuff yeah even so it would be at peak a lot lot more than it is um in the uk so anything uh that you want to add sam yes good good that's <laughs> a first that is <laughs> joe it's nothing we're, we're, we'll end i'm assuming you're you're done so where this is what we're ending on yes that's, that's okay um... i just want to end by saying to our it's going to be late and I can I will apologise now because they will be listening. Okay. And it is going to be late. It's going to be several weeks late. But as a valued listener and someone that puts in a lot of time and has offered us a lot of stuff for content for the future, on behalf of Miles and myself, I'd like to say congratulations to Will on his wedding. Oh yeah. Which was like a couple of weeks ago when we were recording. Congrats He's currently in Mauritius or the Maldives or wherever he Very went nice. on the honeymoon. Very nice. But he'll be listening to this when he comes back. I'll currently be away on my honeymoon. So we're probably a month late, but it's the first time we've convened since I've been to the wedding. So I just wanted to say congratulations from us. Yeah. And he can um, send you a congratulations on your wedding yes. when, when the time of this podcast yes. comes yes. out. because Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we will sort out a video with you soon so, so we can get you on the channel. Do we only get additional stuff for you at the end of the podcast when it's an announcement? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm reserved for very special occasions. Right. Oh, I no, see. like, you yeah. know. I, like when I did a special podcast when the Queen died, or yeah, Will's yeah, wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so you're our special man in reserve. I'm your special. For... I'm your reporter in the field. Yeah, quite literally. In, yeah. in a field. <laughs> that's that's good. I like that. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? Changing your job title. Yeah. The reporter in a field. It works for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that's it for for today. If uh, if anything we talked about was that sort of piqued your interest and you want to get in contact, it's the usual means. Sam does the Facebook side of things. I do the Instagram side of things, or you can go to the YouTube channel and comment on one of the videos and ask a question, and that usually will be me as well. So, um, yeah, or you can uh, go to the website and you can send us an email. That, yes. That generally comes to me, but I do. I might filter some over to Sam so he can uh, okay. ask them. So if you've got a particular Sam question and you don't use Facebook, you can, I mean, to be honest, just contact us in any way you want and just put for Sam. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Or four miles. Or for both of us. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will catch you in the next one. We shall see you there.